Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is our podcast series, SAP's podcast series about the difference that open source can be. And in each episode, we'll talk with experts about open source and why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hohage, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to Johannes Bechberger about profilers, SAP machine or SAP machine, one usually says, and about talking about the things that you do. Hi, Johannes. Hi. All right. Great to have you here, Johannes. Johannes is an open source developer in the SAP machine team. He has been working for more than a year on profilers and their underlying APIs. He started blogging and speaking at conferences in autumn last year, I think it was. Before working at SAP, he did his master's in compiler engineering in Karlsruhe and tried to do a PhD for two and a half years. Why didn't that work out anyway? Because in the end, I found that like engineering was my passion and that like when you're in computer science trying to do a PhD, that it's more about writing papers all the time. And what I wanted eventually to do is make the lives of developers actually better and wanting to contribute to projects and to make a difference. And um, I fear that in, in many parts of the science world, you're just writing paper and that's fine. But for me... It's cool that now I see people using my software and it's far, far, very cool. And in the end, I got noticed by other people, hey, SAP has a nice offering. Don't you want to apply? And I applied and now I'm here. I can totally relate to not wanting to stay in science all your life. I was also at that point at a certain point in time, but that's a different story. Another different story as you mastered in compiler engineering that I wanted to point out, if you go back in our list of uh, podcast episodes, we have this very cool talk with Jack Schuler, who is like a veteran of the trade uh, who developed C and C++ compilers back in the, I think back to the 70s even, and in the end was one of the main guys who developed the C++ compiler with which all the great and well-known ego shooters, the first person shooters of the early 90s were compiled. But anyway, check it out in the list of our podcast episodes. Uh, let's get to you, Johannes. You work on, or at least uh, you contribute to quite a few open source projects for all I know. One of them is SAP Machine, and they are the ones who actually pay your salary, right? Yes, that's right. So I'm working at the SAP Machine team at SAP. So we're essentially working on the OpenJDK, which is the main project that develops Java. And we're the third biggest contributor with our team to the OpenJDK and... We have the maintainer of the JDK 17 on our team. So if you're using Java 17, even outside of the OpenJDK, even outside of OCP, you're probably using um, the work of our team, which is quite cool. And yes, I originally started to work on the submachine, but then I moved into other open source profile fields. And it started like two weeks after I was employed, they saw my, my employment there. I started to, as one of my first projects, work on Async Profiler, helping a colleague to fix a bug on PowerPC for Async Profiler. Async Profiler is one of the common tools in the area. 
And uh, by the way, if you haven't listened to that, we also have a submachine episode that dates back to December 2021. The Jack Schuler one is October 2021 that I mentioned before. And uh, well, did you want to still give a very quick explanation what submachine is? So submachine is like a distribution of the OpenJDK. Different vendors have different distributions, for example other companies too, but we work on it. We help to make the OpenJDK better and help our customers to fix problems with their OpenJDK. Just thought we'd mention it because uh, when we did the JDK episode, uh, we found out that even some SAP colleagues didn't know that there is something like a SAP machine around. Now, SAP machine is not entirely why we're here today. We, as I said, had an episode about it. Johannes, you talk and you write a lot about what you do. That makes me ask you, what does that make you? A blogger, an evangelist, an influencer, a content creator, or how, what do you call yourself? I will first and foremost say that I'm like a nerd. I'm like a profiler and tools and compile nerd. I wanted to be a compiler um, engineer since school and wanted to work in this field and later wanted to do fields and tooling and everything. But yeah, I'm essentially a nerd that wants to spread the word on his creations because it's good when you do some great work, but people should know about it. And so I feel myself more than like a talkative nerd, a little bit extrovert. But I'm surely not a content creator, but because I want to make this sure that people notice like I'm paid to fix bugs in the OpenJDK and to develop tools, not necessarily front and center to do this public work. It's just a side thing that I do because it helps me and I think we'll, we'll get into it in the following minutes to do my work better. Yeah, I didn't really mean that all that seriously. When we speak content creators uh, or something, we often think of people who show smiling pictures in front of Niagara Falls from the last coding event or something. No, not from the coding event, just uh, post a pair. Anyway, so uh, did you already say where we find the content uh, that you create, even though you're not content creator? So, uh, no, I didn't, but I can right now. So you'll find my content on Twitter, which I use to promote the different things that I do. You find me on InfoQ, uh, where I did a recent article. You find me on several conferences near you, hopefully. I'm still in the beginning, so I'm still applying to conferences and hope I can speak on some. I did speak in London at a HeroCon in March, and you can find it on my blog. I think the link should be in the description later. Okay, and by the way, in a minute or two, we'll come in a little more detail to what actually Johannes is uh, uh, posting and blogging about. But before we come to that, let's examine the channels a little bit more. Does it differ what you post where? Did you post like the same things to Twitter as you post to the SAP community or how does that work? So essentially, uh, I don't have too much time. Yes, it requires time to do all, all what I'm doing. So I want to maximize the exposure. So what I usually do, I post it on my personal blog and on the sub-community, uh, where you can find the blog post directly after publishing. Then a few days later, you find it on FuJ, which is a kind of community, kind of company-run publication where people can just submit their articles and they're published. And then I tweet about both. So people usually follow me on Twitter to see what I'm up on the blog posts. 
And then for special articles, I started writing for InfoQ. I had their one article out, which is essentially longer form and original content because it's more like these introductory articles and these longer versions that are interesting for a broader audience because my blog is more like for the nerds and InfoQ is for the general software architect. Okay, and do you have uh, some things in that like automatized or something? Like you can say, uh, I post this here and then automatically the link is posted to Twitter and so on? Sadly not, because essentially for Twitter, I have to write a tagline for it, a right tweet, and also all the things that I do in Twitter is also mirrored on Mastodon, but also then post a tweet or toot, I think it's called, on this blog post. Well, anyway, that's quite a lot of channels. Would you say that makes you a social media expert? Kind of. Yeah, I'm doing this like for just half a year, so I'm certainly not an expert. I know people from university that study this and they know much more. And I'm also talking with them what they see on the different channels, which content works best. And I'm like, okay, just doing it. So I think I'm quite good in my niche market. And my niche market is performance experts and open JDK developers and nerds interested in this topic. And in this niche market, I have a relatively high interaction ratio on my house. So, for example, on Twitter, it's like one-tenth of the people that are following me react on my post usually, and that's quite good. So I'm kind of an expert. I got better, but I don't know. Um, there are professionals out there who are far better, and I talk with a few of them at conferences and they gave me some tips, but I'm still at the beginning of my journey and I don't know where it leads me. Maybe I start a YouTube channel, I don't know. Mostly depends on the amount of time that I have and on also on the priorities of my team because I'm paid for this and it's my team's decision on what I have time to work on. And by the way, we're intentionally mentioning rather relative numbers here. Like you said, one-tenth of the people interact to posts uh, because, of course, in very specialized topics, uh, we're not talking 20 million followers here or anything. And then the interesting part is what you post interesting to those that do follow you because they're all a small expert community, right? But another thing, uh, you said you got some tips. Uh, do you have any particular tips uh, what creates more interest in posts than just simply, I don't know, posting text? So, of course, I started with blog posts that didn't have any images and images are hard to create. It takes some time, it takes a few minutes and often more to add images to my blog post, but I saw that like these blog posts work better and also I can use these images in presentations and on Twitter. So I want to reduce the overall amount of time that I need to cover all these channels. And I think blog posts and tweets that are more general in the audience, that one uh, that went quite well, that was writing a Java profile in 204 lines of your Java, which was clickbaity, that worked well, but because I write about the things that I'm currently working on, because I'm not creating content that it's outside of my current work area, it's quite hard to find too many of these clickbaity things. So I would really recommend to stick to your niche, to know your audience, talk with them also like on Twitter, and then really stick to your topic. And please don't be disappointed if in the beginning nobody listens to you because there are many people out there trying to get your attention. And if you have any questions on these topics, I think it's good to ask your friends. Maybe there are some 
influence us around. You don't know, maybe there are some people that are working in this field, those in the field of marketing, and also ask your local open source program office. Maybe they can help you. Yep. I have a tip for you. If the architecture diagrams uh, that you probably or things like that post as pictures or uh, take some time to create, just use more selfies like the regular influencers. <laughs> <laughs> I think people didn't want to, to see me, they want to see my content. So I think it's also, that's really an important thing. You're building kind of a brand of yourself, but essentially people are there for your content. If I would start posting um, posts on different topics like I did. I posted a screenshot from conference talk and people didn't react to it at all. Like too light and I was like, okay, the people are really there for the specific niche performance content and that's the way I grow my audience. Right. Now that we've said niche for like the fifth time and uh, we've also mentioned the term profiler every once in a while and uh, I'm pretty sure we're not talking about the guy who tries to understand the psycho killer in the murder case. What are we talking about when we're talking profilers? I think that's not a worse understanding of like the Sherlock Holmes out there that's going with his binoculars onto a crime scene and locking it up. But because essentially that's what profilers do. Profilers are tools that help developers understand the performance bottlenecks of the application. For example, when you have an outage or when you have performance problems, your customers say, oh, there might be something that's a bit slow. You can look into it also when you're seeing like, hey, uh, we want to save some money. We want to get our application to use less resources. Then you can go out there and um, look into your application. And that's the task of profiles. And it's essentially a tool for developers to make the applications better. Okay. And these run as what services, libraries? It depends. So usually people just attach a profile to their running application and it records or there are companies out there that offer it as a service so you can um, just embed it and it sends data to their service. But I'm working more on the level below, like the tools that the profile developers use to develop profilers. <laughs> so all, all down on the earth. Okay. That is what is like profiler executables or more like patterns uh, that the profilers probably need uh, to identify what they're supposed to identify. So what I'm currently working on is to create a new API for the OpenJK that helps profiler developers get the key information to still need out of the running Java virtual machine. And it's one of the largest projects I ever did. I started on this journey and getting it into the OpenJK in January last year, shortly after I started at SAP. And it's a good, crazy ride, if I may say so. Um, with apps and lives. And by the way, that JDK profiler that you just mentioned, is that itself also driven as an open source project or is that your internal project? So at Submachine, we are helping develop open source profiles and there are multiple out there. So what I'm working on is visualizations to visualize data and also currently, as I said, on the APIs that profile developers use, the methods in the OpenJK that profile developers use to get out there information. I think I'm getting a pretty good picture. And if I'm getting a pretty good picture, everyone out there probably has a better picture. So let's return to the advocating business. How did that even come about that you got into that? How did you become one of those 
extrovert developers, uh, which uh, some may consider an oxymoron almost. Uh, I mean, like most colleagues are, how do you experience that, are not all too keen on going public with their stuff all the time, right? So I experience this with my colleagues when I'm telling and also friends when I'm telling them I'm going to a conference and most of them are like, why? And so it, it was for me the same, but I talked with a friend who pushed me into this uh, a few weeks back and we talked about how it was learned. I asked a local Java user group, hey, I do something on profiling, can I just do a talk on the profiling stuff? And they were like, yeah, and come on. And then I was persuaded by my friend to write a blog post on all the material that I found online that I used to prepare my talk. And this blog post went quite well. It, for the time, it got it garnered some attentions and people asked me, hey, that's cool, go for it. And um, asked me that I publish it on Fuji. And so I grew my audience a little bit. And then in January this year, I got the QCon London. People asked me, hey, couldn't you come to London in March and give a talk on your topic? And I'm like, cool. I quite liked it, being there in London on a stage, talking to 100, 150 people. And some of them liked it too. So it was quite encouraging to get good feedback. And now I'm hoping that it's not the last conference that I'm on and I'm also going to Java user groups out there. So if you're in a Java user group, I can come to you too and talk about this topic. Okay, here's the advertisement part. Uh, do invite Johannes as a speaker. And you said you quite liked it. What does it gain you or why would you say that everyone should think more about talking about their stuff? A good comparison is when a tree falls in the forest and nobody notices. Is the tree really fallen? I can develop the best profiling APIs out there. I can develop the best profiling visualizations. If I don't go to conferences, for example, first them and tell people about, hey, here's a cool new thing, then people won't notice. And for example, I created a wrapper around the profile because this profile has binary and it isn't that platform independent because hard to use, whatever. And I wanted other people to use it because that's also great for our team because then we can say, hey, we were one of the building blocks of the profiling infrastructure. And I use my Twitter following to say, here is the create new tool, please use it. And it helps. So essentially it gives awareness to my products and also it builds my personal brand. So I gain personally from it that I can go to conferences, see new cities, talk with many cool people, and sometimes even friendships come off of this. For example, in a few weeks, I'm going to Munich to visit a friend there who I met at a conference in London. Um, so yeah, it works quite well for me and might work for you also. All right. And uh, just to be clear on that, you do things... Um in your profiler topic that are closely related to OpenJDK and thus also SAP machine, but you actually do this on your own accord, right? This is not necessarily part of your job profile here, or is it? A job profile when you work on like open source stuff is quite vague usually. So it, in the beginning, it wasn't part of my job profile. I didn't think about this, but then um, I asked around and my team asked Manja and he was okay with me going out there and 
Now, for example, here at the uh, open source podcast, at the second time as our team and can promote the cool submachine project. So I think it works out quite well. So it's not directly in my job description, but it's also not a hobby thing that they're doing. I'm paid to be there. I'm going there during my working hours on conferences and I'm working mostly during my working hours on these open source projects. So they are not hobby projects. Let's leave the hobby term out of that. I think that's a very difficult one uh, because many people do something aside their main job that is still way more than you usually call a hobby, I would say. Anyway, what I think I understood is that when you started at SAP, you didn't know you would be doing this kind of public stuff. But uh, you did know that you would be in the open source field, right? Yes, this was one of the cool things. When I applied for a job, they were like, here's this open source job and you can work on the OpenJDK. And I'm like, cool. And then I asked a friend how the team is. And he's like, these are cool open source people. Go to them. And I'm like, okay, cool. So SAP having these jobs related to open source definitely was a reason for me to come to SAP and why I like working here. All right, so Johannes is actually an argument for attracting young talent uh, by doing open source, everyone out there. He wouldn't be with SAP if we were not doing open source. And then with your public things that you do, is that, uh, would, would you say that also promotes more the fact that SAP does open source and promotes open source, or does it more promote your own personal brand or is that not clearly separatable or how is that? I think it's clearly not that separable because, for example, it promotes myself, of course, because I'm the one standing in front of it. Also, when I was at FOSDEM in February this year, I started my slides off with like, hey, um, SAP does open source because SAP is a large open source contributor, but people don't know this. So many people think, okay, SAP just develops this large application that many, many businesses use, but they don't know that they're active, for example, that they have their own open source UI framework called SubUI5 or that they worked on the open source Corona Roundup that was quite for, popular for a time in Germany. So I think people get with my talks, get awareness and see, oh, SAP is doing this cool. And also I'm getting in touch with people of different companies. It later helps when uh, we have a problem and I can just ask around in the field of experts that it always like, oh, um, this small technical problem, can you help me with this? I know you're an expert and because we're like in the open source field, it's far easier for them to just give me the answer without all this asking around the boss and so because we're contributing to a common good. All right. That would uh, actually totally qualify for the, I'm dr translating directly from German, the saying would be swatting several flies with one strike, right? You're promoting your personal brand, you're promoting that SAP actually does open source and thus promoting the general SAP brand, you're promoting the particular projects. Uh, great. Now, as we have 
I think all that down that if you do interesting stuff, then also go out there and talk about it because otherwise you're the tree in the wood that falls without anyone hearing it. Or if, as we say, uh, uh, among us content creators, uh, pictures or it didn't happen. Anyway, famous before last question, where do we find all that? You mentioned some of those things, but uh, would you want to summarize again? Yeah, you'll find me on my personal blog. You find me on uh, smaller conferences like the Karlsruhe Entwickler Tage, um, and hopefully more conferences near you. Follow me on Twitter for more updates. And as I said, if you want uh, me to, to come to you, um, maybe let's chat. And around the time this will be broadcasting, I'm hopefully in Milan being at the Java user group there and talking about the topic of profiling as I like to do. Yeah, oh, and here's another one we didn't even mention. It makes you get around and see places, right? Of course. Seeing London for the first time in 15 years is quite cool. And being in Westminster in the city center for a few days is, is quite interesting. But of course, it's also work. It takes some effort. It's also quite stressful when you're standing in front of so many people. But it's a cool experience. Okay, let's not focus on the stress that much. The three key takeaways, totally stress-free. What would you want our listeners to remember from this episode? And by the way, the links to some of the content we'll put under the podcast, of course. So I want listeners to, to see that open source metas, it really helps you and uh, your brand and also your team. Um, just start writing a blog, tweeting about it, and it doesn't take that much time. It takes a couple of hours. Uh, when you do it regularly, you'll attract the audience eventually after a few weeks, after a few months, but you'll get there. It's a fun journey and it brings you further. And then my last point is spread the word, but stay focused on your knee. So uh, don't stray too much from your core topic and just have fun. And don't stress too much. Okay. Thank you very much, Johannes, for being our guest today. It was great to have you here. Thank you for having me. All right. And then thanks everyone out there for listening to The Open Source Way. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't miss our next episode published every last Wednesday of the month. You'll find us on OpenSAP and in most of the places where you find your other podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and the likes. Thanks again and bye bye.